Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 17, if you keep track at home. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker, always, always here in studio with you. And it's my pleasure to welcome my co-host, Jolan Bayoka. Jolan, man, lucky number 17. And why do I say lucky? Well, it's one of my favorite numbers, in part because I was born on the 17th. I know you were also born on the 17th. We're not going to give out the days. We don't want any stalkers out there. But 17 is a very good number for both of us. So welcome to the show. We got an action packed. We got an NFL weekend in the books and another one headed up. Pleasure to be here as always, brother. Um, Baker Mayfield, worst quarterback in his division. We'll carry on with All that All right, soon. we're not going to touch on that <laughs> right now. But I do want to welcome in. We, we had Nick McCarthy in last week. And this week we have Vince DeNaro in. And uh, Vince, I've known, I've known Tyler since I played as a little kid. And in part, knowing Tyler, you know Vince. And, and Vince graduated from Ponton Lakes High School. Very knowledgeable. I enjoyed talking to him. Vince, welcome to the Air It Out podcast. Thank you, guys. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, let's get rolling. We got a lot to talk about. I want to quickly. I want to talk about the NFL. We're gonna. It's it's obviously the big thing going on. And last week, not a good week for the Goose. Very very bad week. My picks, obviously including the Thursday game that we just saw, uh, I was five for eleven. I picked five games right and had eleven wrong. So I'm looking for a bounce back week this week. Just some big things that we saw. Dallas says they got hosed. I don't know. I don't care. It's Dallas. I'm a Giant fan. I don't really care. But we saw the Giants on Monday Night Football hang tough with the Steelers for a while, fade towards the end. Daniel Jones made some questionable decisions. We saw Cam Newton really put his stamp against the Miami Dolphins last week, and they just continue to win at home against Miami. And Miami seems to get the better of them in Miami, but uh, that's, that's for when that matchup rolls around. We saw Cam Newton looked obviously fantastic, like I said. Seattle looked really good. I mentioned if they ever uncorked Russell Wilson, how good they can be. They uncorked Russell Wilson last week, and they better keep doing it because he's got some serious, serious weapons, and they they really need to let him just play ball all the time. And we just saw big performances from the Baltimore Ravens, who won 38-6 to over the Browns. You're going to say, well, it's the Browns. And while you might partially be true, it is still a super talented team with a lot a lot going, a better defense this year than they were last year, and they just put a whooping up on them and look for Baltimore to make a statement. I'm not going to go as far as Jolan, who, who's trying to set the world on fire by saying they're going to go 16-0. That's just ridiculous. I really don't believe that, but uh, they're going to be fascinating, as always with Lamar Jackson, who's going to get paid soon. Speaking of paid, we talked about Kansas City last week. They looked fantastic. They're looking. They haven't played in 10 days. So that's going to be that's going to be a challenge for them. Tennessee squeaked out a win over Denver, and credit to Steven Gostowski, who missed four kicks during the game. He missed three field goals and an extra point. The Bill and, Belichick curse. Correct, and he was about to not make the trip home. Okay, let's let's be very honest. If he had missed a twenty-five yarder to win the game, he was not making the trip home. Okay, so uh, that that was that was not going to be a good sight for him. And then we moved to this recent Thursday. We got to see Baker Mayfield against Joe Burrow. Listen, people ask for Baker Mayfield to play better, and then he plays better, and then it's, well, he played against an awful defense. And while that's true, you know, listen, there's a statute of limitations on what you can ask a guy to do. So uh, we saw the battle of the rookies. Baker Mayfield came out on top. We saw Adele Beckham Jr. finally show a little bit of what he's doing. And, and again, part of it is obviously the game plan, but part of it is... Baker Mayfield's got to find him. Very, you know, and you can criticize Odell for this. He's very much like a shooter in basketball. He's very much a rhythm guy. 
Once he gets the ball in his hands a few times, now look out. Now he can really start doing those double moves and stuff like that. It's going to be really fascinating. So that's all week one. The Goose was 5-11. and 11. Nick won. Uh, I'm trying not to make. I'm trying not to let any other guests beat us in, in the history of this podcast. You might be going 0 two to today. That right uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to assume so, but we're we're going to work on that and we're going to see. So, uh, Jolan, start getting us into week two. I'm I am ready to go. So yeah, with starting with week two, we have um, some marquee matchups to go over, and the rest of the matchups we will gloss over. But let's go into the first matchup of the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. Um, it's just a stat to know. Um, this marks a second career meeting between the top two picks of the 2016 NFL Draft, Wentz and Jared Goff. Wentz won in, uh, the first meeting in 2017 with four passing touchdowns. Both enter off underwhelming Week 1 performances. Goff threw zero touchdowns for the fourth time in his past nine games, while Wentz took those eight sacks. Yeah, I'll, st- I'll start on this one. Listen, Carson Wentz looked awful last week, and it's due in part to that Washington pass rush that we talked about. we talked about off mic. They, they look scary good in terms of in that aspect of the game. But uh, this, you mentioned that meeting in 2017. That's the game that Carson Wentz tore his ACL. That was the year he was supposed to win MVP. So that's the year the Eagles won Super Bowl. And uh, Nick Foles got his got his statue out there and, and, and is all ready to go. So uh, this is going to be a good one. But I think, I think L.A. going on the road to this East Coast and Oh, there's no fans because if you let Philly fans in the building, the whole burning's gonna, the whole building's gonna burn down. But uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna rock with Philly in this one. I think the Rams just don't have the pass rush that Washington does, and but even against that Eagles beat up offensive line, but it looks like they're gonna get Lane Johnson back and expect them to come out high flying in in their home opener. So Vince, this next one's for you. Since he picked the Eagles, I'm just gonna put you in a position to argue for the Rams. What do you think the key matchup for the Rams is to win this game? And then who would you pick even with the key matchup you present? Uh, I'm going to say the Kelsey-Aaron Donald matchup. I think uh, Donald's going to control the line of scrimmage the entire game. I know Lane Johnson's banged up, but I don't know, man. I think him, Brockers, they're going to get after Wentz. They looked pitiful last week. They looked like they could not stop anybody. Uh, dudes were just getting tossed around by those three number one picks in the last three years for Washington. Now, let me ask you something on the offensive side for the Rams. Do you think they have to go with the run game like they've previous done with Sean McVay? They have three running backs now. Or do they need to rely on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods more? They both got extensions now, so they're locked into L.A. for a while. What do you think Sean McVay needs to do more to get this L.A. Rams offense to pop? I think they need to control the line of scrimmage, obviously. And... Um, Robert Woods has to control the middle of the field. You know, I think uh, Darius Slay, they said, is going to be lined up against Cooper Cup this week. So Robert Woods has a marquee matchup. I don't know if Jalen Mills is going to shadow him all week, but I think Woods has a big game. Definitely a depleted secondary. Moving on to the Atlanta and Dallas matchup. Um, this one's interesting because both Atlanta and, da- and Dallas haven't started a season 0-2 in the past decade. The last time Dallas did it was 2010, and I believe the last time Atlanta did it was 2009. This sets up the week of someone to go 0-2 for the first time in a while. Goose, let's start with you. Who do you like for this matchup between Dallas and Atlanta? Is this game in Atlanta? No, it's at Dallas. It's, it's at it's, Dallas. It's at Dallas. Okay. And now, again, like home field advantage, you know, Dallas, that, Dallas actually with their fans in attendance are actually worse at home, which is mind-boggling to begin with and how they lost that game last weekend is also mind-boggling. But regardless, let's get to the matchup. 
listen, Dallas has to be able to run the football. I think you want to force Dak Prescott to throw the football and drop back, just like these other quarterbacks, just like you want to do with Jared Goff. Listen, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are great, but you make you want to make him drop back and throw it 61 times like the Browns did to Joe Burrow this past week. You want to be able to do that. And I think this Atlanta defense had to get healthy from last year, and, and, and they're definitely looking for a rebound. Listen, they need to continue to play for their coach, Dan Quinn. Uh, last year... He was he was on the hot seat, and the minute rumors came out that he was getting fired, they like won four straight. So they need to continue to play that way. They looked they looked okay up there in Seattle last weekend, or uh, or in Atlanta. I don't even remember where that game was. Regardless, they looked good on offense. I expect them to continue to throw it around on this Cowboy defense. Who, by the way, Sean Lee has gone to IR. No surprise. Leighton Vander Esch has uh, broken his collarbone. So he's going to be out this season. So that depleted Cowboy defense now has to match up with the all-first-round pick Atlanta Atlanta offense, and especially Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, who's going to play despite injury concerns. So, Vince, you saw last week Dallas, with the loaded offense they had, only scored three points in the second half of the game. What does Dallas need to do this week so they can score more consistently with the weapons they have? Uh, I think, well, it helps that they're playing Atlanta because I think their defense is just dismal. That does always AJ help. AJ Terrell, the first-round pick last week, got destroyed by DK Metcalf. They kind of had – Russ had his way with every single possibility that he threw up in the air. Um, I am going the Cowboys. I think they're going to dominate Atlanta. I, I just see Dak throwing the ball all over them. I see uh, CeeDee Lamb having a huge game. I think he's going to score his first NFL touchdown this week. I, I agree with that pick. I agree with that pick. I'm gonna, I, Listen, I would love to pick Atlanta. Honestly, I would love to as a Giant fan. Yeah, I would love to pick Atlanta, but uh, I, I, the Cowboys are just too much in this game. And Who knows? Maybe it comes down to a field goal where they have Greg the leg Zerline. And, you know, I think, that, I think that prevails in this matchup. I think it is a game to come down to whose second or third option performs better between C.D. Lamb and Calvin Ridley. But moving forward, we have a, a more local matchup here. We have the New York Giants at the Chicago Bears. The Giants are 0-1 and the Bears are 1-0. Um, stat to know is the Giants running back Saquon Barkley had just six yards in week one and averaged minus .2 yards per contact per rush. His 3.96 yards per rush since week 7 of last season is the 10th lowest average in the NFL among 32 players with at least 100 rush attempts over that span. Vince, let's start with you. Who do you like week 2? Do the Giants bounce back? Or does Chicago barely get one out like they did last week? Uh, I might be biased on this, but I am going to take the Giants. Uh, I just don't see Mitch Trubisky making big throws doing because they're going to stop Montgomery and Cohen at the line. Uh, I feel like their defense got a, lot, a whole lot better from last year. They stuck with Pittsburgh all last week, and I think they got to get Barkley in space. They got to start uh, uh, imp- implementing pitches. Stop running the ball up the middle of the foot. Like Jason Garrett had seven plays where he got knocked behind the bat, behind the line, and. You see Daniel Jones, he looks like he's going to have a good year, but he has those bad decisions. And uh, I'm just scared about the Khalil Mack matchup against Andrew Thomas this week. It's going to be a rough uh, welcome to the NFL for him. He had a bad one last week against Dupree. He basically had his way with Andrew Thomas. But I think they're going to come in, into Chicago, and I, uh, I think they're going to lay a win on them. 
So Vince with a very, very bold prediction, thinking the Giants could etch out the Chicago Bears, which is not that bold considering the Chicago Bears barely won last week against Detroit. Goose, let me ask you something. So Mitch Trubisky has been the talk of the NFL for being a bust. Honestly, it's not the good news to be talked about, but when you're picked before Mahomes and Watson, there's going to be some weight with that. Do you think Mitch Trubisky needs to win these games this year to hold his job, or does Nick Foles come in this year and Mitch Trubisky's already halfway out the door, and how does it affect this week's game plan? He's got to have them in the playoffs this year to keep his job. Listen, bust is one one very PG good version of putting what Mitch Trubisky is. And you know what? He's just a guy that does enough to keep you thinking, hey, this guy's got some talent. Well, yeah, of course he's got talent. He's in the league, but like relative to his peers, he's not that great. Let's you know, and and again, let's just keep that PG the way the way it is. Matt uh, Matt Nagy's their coach, and and he he's a great offensive mind, and he's got to tailor his system to what makes Mitch Trubisky very good. Here's the problem. The Giants' defense against the Steelers' run game was really good. Not what the Steelers were against the Giants' run game, but they were really good. If Again, if you force Mitch Trubisky to throw 40-plus passes in this game, I think the Giants win it easily. And I, you know, I have a buddy from Chicago that's listening to this, and I know he is, and he's going to hate me for saying it. But if they can force Mitch Trubisky to beat them with his arm... They are going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it soundly. I'm going to be very frank about that. I think the Giants have a big bounce back. Uh, I, Vince, I'm a little bit higher on Andrew Thomas. I thought he didn't play that bad against Bud Dupree. I think there were certain moments in which he got roasted, and unfortunately for an offensive lineman, that's really all it takes, unfortunately, is just a couple reps. But I, overall, I think he played pretty well. Him and Barkley need to get on the same page because we heard Tiki Barber criticize Saquon Barkley for his pass ru- or his pass blocking this week, and he's 100% right. Uh, him and Andrew Thomas in two to four reps last week both went the same way and didn't block a soul while Daniel Jones was getting killed. Okay, so that needs to be hammered out. That needs to be fixed. I want to know who ran the most laps this week. I want to know what the lap count was, and I want to know if Joe Judge let him have any fun at all this week. But, Jolan, back to your question. Mitch Trubisky needs to continue to do what makes him successful, which is hope to God that they control the line of scrimmage and hit them with the play action. Because the Giants' secondary can be had. We saw it. They're a lot faster this year than they have been in years past, but they can be had. And if they get the run game going, it it could be lights out for the Giants. So uh, Mitch Trubisky is definitely, he needs that run game to get going. I'm actually, I've been on the fence about this all week. I, I really have. I'm going to take the Giants. And part of it is we've seen guys, we saw guys last week get more, get more, got more involved in pass rush. Dexter Lawrence was involved. Leonard Williams was involved. It's not, Lorenzo Carter looked fantastic. It's not just Marcus Golden right now. And if they can keep that going, I think they're going to win this week. And I do think they keep it going. And so that's why I have them winning this week. Uh, moving on. Oh, Vince, you had something to say? Yeah, also, it looks like Chicago, uh, they're having a little 
dispute between Allen Robinson, he unfollowed every single one of his teammates, and that's their number one pass catcher as well. So it, it's not looking good for Chicago. I love that that's the new thing now to tell people you're unhappy. Is you, exactly. just drop, you just unfollow everybody. <laughs> Receiver in the NFL, like it means something. Come yeah, on. Come on. Just... I mean, Anthony Miller might have a big game. No, look out, he's fantasy. The only, he's the only guy that they got, really. Look out, fantasy. Moving forward, we have the Denver Broncos at the Steelers. The Steelers coming off in a very, very impressive win against the Giants. Their defense controlled the line of scrimmage throughout the entire game. I expect them to do that all year. A stat to note for the Steelers is they have gone 58 straight games with at least one sack tied for the sixth longest streak by any team since 1970. Vince, you saw Drew Locke last week move the ball efficiently. He's getting more comfortable in that offense for Vince Fangio. What do you think the Steelers have to key up on to stop Drew Locke from moving the ball? Uh, I honestly think their pass rush is just going to do that to everybody. I know everyone says how how the line got beat up last week for the Giants, but I don't think I don't see any team that's going to have real too, like so much success against the Steelers this year. That's I I think that's the top line in the NFL. Um, I see Drew Locke needing Sutton back. You know, it's going to open up the field for Judy in the middle, Very and then you loss. still have KJ Hamler. He he's a little nicked up, but that's two studs that they have right there and, and I know Cortland Sutton's banged up and everything but I, I think he's a top 10 receiver in the league this actually leads me to another question I want to ask you does Denver have to rely on their run game with Cortland Sutton banged up they have Melvin Gordon they have Philip Lindsay who might be hurt this he's week hurt. he's out so he is he is out do they have to rely on Melvin Gordon to go against that stout D-line do you think that's their key to winning good luck uh, yeah yeah that's all I was gonna say I don't think Gordon hasn't had it in the last couple years, and I don't think he's going to start it up against this defense. So, Goose, you, you had said good luck. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, good luck. I mean, this defense is great. They're at home. They're on the East Coast. Again, like, this is, whether you want to say it should be a thing, like this East Coast to West, the West Coast to East Coast thing, it's real. And I just think Pittsburgh looked really good. I think they're kind of shaking off some rust. We saw that happen in the first half, basically. Then they scored the touchdown right before the half. And then the game was over. Their offense looked great. Their defense was stout. I don't think James Conner has as bad of a game as he did last week. Okay, let's just be honest. If he's healthy or whoever it is, this week. it doesn't even matter. Benny, uh, Benny, Snell, Benny Snell. He looked you know, real I mean, good last week. You know, two weeks ago you could have said, who the hell is Benny Snell? And nobody would have known. But now you do. And Denver, yeah, Cortland Sutland needs to come back. And, and they need a lot of help. They need to, hey, by the way, if Noah Fant gets going, don't stop throwing him the ball. Like, again, it's like a shooter in basketball. If they knock down five threes in a row, you don't all of a sudden go to somebody else. You, you, it, heat check is what everybody calls it down at the park. It's a heat check moment. Okay, so, uh, and, well, it's going to be a cold one for Denver on Sunday. I really want to know how they're going to get to Big Ben with Novon Miller out for the season. Bradley, Bradley Chubb, Chubb decent on Monday night. Yeah, but... I don't see a pass rush from them, so nope. I, I think Big Ben can have a big day. Yeah, go Pittsburgh in this one. Moving forward, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the New York Jets, and let's call it what it is, boys. It's the injury <laughs> bowl. Everybody's hurt. You have George Kittle. He's already confirmed out. You have a ton of players on the Jets confirmed out. Le'Veon Bell's already out. Debo's um, out. So this is a very, very small glimpse of these two teams, but who do you think has the advantage with both injuries? Goose, let's start with you. The 49ers, because they're not named the Jets. <laughs> they're not run by the same people who run the Jets. It's just that simple, man. The Jets are just what they looked like last week, and the number of Jets fans. By the way, every year, 
Jet fans come up to me and they they're they're like Met fans almost in a sense. They're really excited. Hey, we can really go to the playoffs this year. I tell you this because last year in the football team we had a few of them and they would always show up to Sunday meetings. Oh, the Jets, you know, they're gonna win to they're gonna win this week, then they could be in the playoffs. Alluding to Wesleyan football team. Uh correct. And it's just they always get let down. This year, the amount of fans that came up to me after week one already thrown out the season, it's unbelievable. You you just wouldn't believe it. I had a guy at work. I work at Amazon. I had a guy come up to me and he's he's like, well, at least you're not a Jet fan. And I was like, you know what, man? I'm a Giant fan, so we're pretty darn close. The Jets just don't, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Adam Gase got called an offensive brilliant mind. And I don't know what game anybody is watching to say that. So I'm going with Payton, the Niners. Peyton Manning basically put him on his back. Got Correct. Him that job. And Peyton Alex... Manning called Omaha and switched the play of every play that Gase actually had. It's right. a great point. Right. And every offense that wasn't with Peyton Manning has been like 23rd or worst, which is awful. So give me Kyle Shanahan. Give me his creative mind. Uh, but again, you know, the Jets just don't have it. So Vince, who do you like in this matchup? And is Richard Sherman as big of a loss this week against the Jets as it would be to other weeks? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> like, who's honestly, who's Sam Donald throwing the ball to? Perryman? Perryman? Is, is that a true number one receiver in the you know what? I did, true forward? You know what? I did, get a, <laughs> I did get a call yesterday from Joe Douglas to play wide receiver for the Jets this weekend. <laughs> So if you catch me at MetLife Stadium, uh, that is what I will be That's doing. That's an upgrade at this point. That is an upgrade. But go ahead, Vince. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no problem. I obviously have San Francisco this week. Uh, I think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think the Jets have an absolute chance in hell. I think San Francisco definitely has something to prove, dropping the first game to a divisional opponent last round. And Oop. just hold on real quick. San Francisco gets to stay in Jersey because they get the Giants next week at MetLife Stadium. They're going to be hanging out in New Jersey for two weeks. I hope their hotel rooms are comfortable. Moving forward, the Vikings are at the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts suffered a big loss last week, losing Marlon Mack for the season, their number one rusher over the past two years. Um, Colts quarterback Phillip Rivers has four passing touchdowns and seven interceptions and a 3-1 and record in a four-year career starts against the Vikings, him being in L.A., not seeing an NFC East opponent much. His 35.1 total QBR against the team is the worst against any team since the metric was first tracked in 2006. So it might not be as one lopsided as you think because of Philip Rivers' performances against Minnesota previously. Vince, let's start with you. Who do you like in this matchup and what are the keys for it? Um, I'm going to take Minnesota. I think Indianapolis's defense, they came in as projected a top five defense and they did not look like that last week. Uh, they're one of the worst secondaries in the league. They're, I think they're 27th right now. Very bad week. Um, but I also think uh, uh, Kirk Cousins has to get the ball to Justin Jefferson. He only had three targets last week and two catches for like 11 yards. I think they're going to obviously spy Thielen, keep uh, everybody, uh, keep the safety over the middle. I think it's Malik Hooker for, for Indianapolis. Great player. He's a great player. Yeah, he really does. He makes a lot of plays. So they're going to have him shadowed. So he's got to get the ball to somebody else other than Thielen. Obviously, Thielen had the big week last week. But uh, also, I think uh, Phillip Rivers, for them to win the game, they got to get the ball to T.Y. Hilton. He, he had 10 targets last week, but only three catches, 60 yards, I think. And uh, 
they have a rookie, two rookies starting for Minnesota on the outside. So that's a, that's a big matchup, I think. I think if those young corners can shut down Phillip Rivers and that offense, I think Minnesota wins the game because you know they're going to get a pass rush in Gakwe. I know Daniil Hunter's out, but they have, I think, arguably the best linebacking core in the league with Hendricks and Barr, and they're going to put pressure on Rivers. Um, I'm not really high on Indianapolis this year. I know a lot of people were with Phillip Rivers. They just – to lose that game, Jacksonville last week is – unacceptable for Philip Rivers. I don't know if he bounces back, and he is a turnover machine. So, Who do you like? Uh, Minnesota. Oh, uh, Minnesota. That's actually an interesting pick, considering they have Philip Rivers' number. But another thing I want to talk to you, Goose, about is Philip Rivers is coming into a new system entirely. He's coming into a receiver in T.Y. Hilton, who he doesn't have the chemistry in the offseason to work with. Do you think Philip Rivers bounced back week two? Do you think he gets the ball rolling finally? I don't. I, I really don't see it. Phillip Rivers, he's got great numbers. And part of the reason I don't put him in the Hall of Fame is because... What? I do not put him in the Hall of Fame. Is he's he got, Hold on. He's got to wait. Yes. Absolutely. He's got to wait a little while at least, okay? We can, we can entertain that conversation at a different point. But he's got to wait a while, in my opinion. You know why? Because he doesn't win the big game. And you want to know why? Because he turns the ball over when it's least beneficial to his team. It's never beneficial to turn the ball over. But if you if you throw a pick in the first quarter, it's different than throwing a pick in the fourth with two minutes left, okay, to ice the game. And he's always had studs and his entire career. And he's always throwing interceptions, turning the ball over when it matters the most. That's why I don't see him getting the ball rolling this weekend, and that's why I, I, I'm not high on him when it comes to all of him. Well, to point that out, you could look at the 2010 season when the Chargers had the number one offense, the number one defense, and the worst special teams in the league. They were always in games by three points with Phillip Rivers having the ball, and they could not convert just that one drive. They ended up missing the playoffs entirely, being the only team in the NFL to ever achieve number one on offense and defense and miss the playoffs. So that could speak for Phillip Rivers and his ability to not close games. Moving forward, we have the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Detroit blew a game in epic proportion last time. They traveled to a red-hot Green Bay Packers team. Aaron Rodgers on a mission. Um, only two teams have gone 2-0 against an opponent in a season without ever holding a lead in regulation. The first was the 1977 49ers, who bested the Saints twice. The second team was the 2019 Packers, who won both of their games against Detroit last season on game-winning field goals despite not holding a lead at any point. Vince, who do you like? Uh, I think this is my lock of the week. Uh, I think Green Bay at home destroys Detroit. I don't know who Stafford's going to throw to. I know Marvin Jones is a great player. But no Kenny Galladay. No Kenny Galladay, and it looked like it hurt them last week. Stafford just couldn't wasn't normal Stafford, you know what I mean? You could, you always go into games, you see him chucking the ball around the yard, and he just didn't look that. But also, Swift makes that catch. It's a different narrative It's this a week. game. It's a game-winning touchdown. It's a different narrative. Um, Who do I you think, like and why? I like Green Bay because I think Rodgers, like you said, is on a mission. He's going to put up MVP numbers. I think he's got the best receiver in football, and I don't think it's even close now. I mean, Michael Thomas looked like he was nicked up last week, but Devonta Adams came out, and he, he showed why he's arguably up there as the top receiver, and I don't think uh, Detroit has enough weapons against that defense. So, Goose, going back to this matchup in Detroit and Green Bay, I want to talk a little bit to you about Detroit. They have three running backs now, DeAndre Swift, Carrion Johnson, and Adrian Peterson. What's their key offensively with no Kenny Galladay? Who do they need to get working and why? They have to be the re- – that running back room, period – 
has to be the reason they win this game. If they if they are to have any chance, they have to be the reason. And it starts with the vet, Adrian Peterson. I think he's a downhill runner. Listen, it gets cold in Green Bay, man. And I, no matter how many times you played there, you still hate tackling physical dudes when it's cold outside. I, I will tell you that from experience. It is, it is tough. But there is, you know, and DeAndre Swift, I, he looked good last week. You know, outside of the drop and and all that kind of stuff. It, I really liked how he looked. Carry on Johnson. Listen, man, it's a loaded backfield. I think there's some stuff they can do with two running back sets out of the shotgun that could get into some interesting looks. Maybe run some screens off of them, some misdirection. Uh, maybe use Swift more as like a maybe a mini slot guy in a sense. So I think that's maybe how they do it. You know, Green Bay, we saw what Blake Martinez did for the Giants with 12 tackles last week. He just looked like a suction cup to the ball carrier. And, you know, they missed that in the middle of their defense. So, again, but Aaron Rodgers, you made the point, Vince. He looked amazing last week. He looked really good. Some have argued it was his best game in five years, which is scary at this point in his career. And good for him. And I just, I'm with Vince. I I just think Green Bay rolls. Well, it's good to know that he had his best statistics season over the past, well, his last week's statistics were better than his past nine games from the previous last season to close out. Moving forward, we go to Carolina and Tampa Bay. In Tampa Bay, a lot of teams expected to start off hot. I had picked them to win. I know Ryan had picked them to win. That was a team we were looking for. Unfortunately, Brady threw a pick six, got them down quick, and you cannot be losing to the Saints and expect a big comeback every time you go against them. So that's something to look forward to. So, Vince, between Carolina and get them giving up 30 points a game last year to how they performed on defense last week, it looks like it's taking a downward step in the wrong direction. How do you think Tom Brady handles this defense, and will he perform like the Tom Brady we know? Absolutely. I think if he gets Gronk started early, how Gronk only had three targets as well last week, and uh, he kind of looked like he was just out there as a decoy. Uh, also with Mike Evans, I feel like he's he is nicked up, but he's gonna get back into the motion. I know uh, no Godwin, correct? So that, that's gonna be rough. I think they have to get Rojo and Fournette started early. Do you like Miller? Uh, I do. Do you think he's like the next Edelman? I think he's like coming into a role where Tom Brady trusts him. Yeah, I think he, he, he looked like he had the most trust in Miller last week. It's like he doesn't look like he had the trust in Gronk. Didn't look like he had it with Evans. Uh, God, when he was getting targets, he has a little bit of trust in him. But Miller looked like he was going to be the number one receiver on that team all year. Certainly. And, uh, Certainly I also think the most targets. Uh, Carolina does not have enough offense to, st- to stick with uh, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. No DJ Moore this week. Uh, who's really going to catch the ball for them? Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. I don't think it's enough for them, even Christian McCaffrey, if he's going to get 40 touches this game, I still don't think it's going to be might. enough. Which, <laughs> scary part is so, he might, and he might need back. to. He yeah. might need to for them to be in this game. I remember a fourth and one play last week where they handed it to their fullback instead Awful. of Christian McCaffrey, so maybe the Carolina coaches have some better options this week. Goose, that's the question I want to ask you. What does Carolina's offense need to key on to try to stop this stout Tampa Bay defense with Levante David, with Devin White, a ton of D linemen? What's their move? Christian McCaffrey. And listen, that's that's part of what makes a great coaching staff is, hey, we know this player is going to get targeted, but we're still going to find ways to get him the ball. And they, they have to do that. You mentioned Robbie Anderson. He looked great last week. And, you know, in case the Jet fans needed anything else to feel bad about, <laughs> their number one receiver was playing for Carolina and had 114 receiving yards One last big week. touchdown, too, last week. Correct. He, he looked great. And, uh, you know, a team we'll touch on later. Ja, Jamal Adams looked terrific, too. Back to Carolina, though. 
it's got to be Christian McCaffrey with no DJ Moore. He's the, he's their big he's their big play receiver. You know, make no doubt about that. He is their guy, and they, and they're gonna miss him. Christian McCaffrey, you got to line him up all over. I would line him up up outside at like the X receiver or something like that. Let him run some choice routes. See what kind of matchups you get. Are they gonna put a corner out there? Are they gonna put are they gonna put a linebacker out there? Run trips to one side. Put him as the X. Motion him out to the X in the boundary. And see, are you going to get a linebacker? Because if you're going to get a linebacker on him, good night, nurse. I don't it's know. over. Devin White's fast, man. He is, but again, how much you know? How much experience has he really had in pass coverage against guys like that? Because he did play at LSU, yeah, in the SEC, which is a heavy run-heavy conference. So I'm not doubting his ability, but what I'm saying is, is that's what I would do. Find matchups that's going to get Christian McCaffrey the ball. That's the only chance in my mind that you have. Got to let Teddy Bridgewater settle in early. Correct. Rule's got to get the ball out uh, quick, you know, to have him with short little slam passes and then hand the ball off to McCaffrey a ton. I'm still taking Tampa Bay, though. I think, think, again, last week's pick, and I I remember referencing this, was a lot about uncertainty. The, the, The fear of uncertainty, it either goes one of two ways. You either smack a team up or you get smacked. And, you know, they kind of fell somewhere in the middle there. But I, I think in the end, New Orleans controlled that game, and period. That, that statement is more true now this year without no camp than ever before. But moving forward, we have the Buffalo Bills taking on the Miami Dolphins. And now this is an interesting matchup because Miami, Brian Flores, everyone expected them to do better week one. But you have to remember they're going against Bill Belichick still. I haven't rode off Miami yet. Josh Allen, on the other hand, going against Miami. Josh Allen has only thrown his career multiple touchdown passes in nine games and he's four for four against Miami. So every time he's met up against Miami, he's thrown multiple touchdown passes. Vince, what do the Miami Dolphins have to do to slow down the Bills offense and then what do they need to do offensively to win this game? Uh, I think uh, with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard on the outside, you got to shut down Diggs. John Brown, uh, he's I think he's nicked up and he's out this week too. So they're going to be limited. I know they have that stacked backfield like everyone's doing with the run by committee. Uh, I I do see Buffalo beating Miami, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, Miami's offense, they looked dismal last week. I know it was against the Patriots, but Ryan Fitzpatrick's got to get the ball out. It's he's got to like set up Devontae Parker early. I'm. Who's the the other running uh, the wide receiver for them? Is it uh, Seki? You have does, yeah. I don't even know who they're Seki. two. Yeah, I don't even. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, it's to be I, honest, I, it, it is a weird roster the way it's built. And here's the interesting part: Ryan Fitzpatrick did not play well last week. They are going to play in Miami in this game. There are going to be fans in Miami. He is going to hear boos if they continue to play the way they did. You might see Tua sooner than we think. You're going to hear That's exactly it. what I was going to say. When did Daniel Jones start? Boos, it might be Tua chance. When, when did last year's sixth overall pick start start playing? Week two. After week two. So we could see a change in the guard. Listen, I, I want this to be my upset of the week because, listen, Josh Allen could throw himself out of a game. Out of a game. Out yeah. of a game. That's how strong his arm is, by the way. He can throw himself out of a game. Missed a big receiver last week in the red zone. Yeah. For a touchdown. And, and Miami I might think have the best two corners in the league with Jones and Howard. Well, and you mentioned those corners, so I think that that's the reason this week the big onus goes on Cole Beasley to get things done, Devin Singletary out the backfield. Everybody they got in that backfield. Do you like Zach Moss against the Miami defense? I do. Give, you know, give me as many weapons as you can get. Again, I would go with some two. I would go with some two running back looks. 
I would find ways to get the football in their hands. And again, if the corners are good, try to attack the middle of the defense. See what you can get, and I'd go from there. I'm going to take Buffalo in this one. Moving forward, we have Jacksonville going against Tennessee. Two teams, I believe, etched out very close wins last week. Jacksonville and the Titans. Um, What to watch for in this series is Henry has seven rushing scores over his past three games against the Jags, and the Titans sure weren't shy about handing him the rock in week one. 31 carries, the only player in the NFL with more than 25. He might, he might get 40 this week, and Tennessee's going to roll. Let me let me ask yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. How do they stop Derrick Henry? Do they force Ryan Tannehill to pass it? And then what should the Tennessee Titans do to keep the ball rolling with Derrick Henry? Uh, you put 14 people on the field at one time. That's how you stop Derrick Henry. <laughs> if we're just being completely honest. Although, listen, their big play-action receiver, A.J. Brown, is out this week. So that is a big loss for them. But Corey Davis looks to step up and is going to have a massive role this week. But again, what do we talk about? These guys know Derrick Henry's going to touch the... Denver knew last week, Derrick Henry, they had all offseason to prepare. I don't care that you don't you have a limited camp, whatever. Game plan-wise, you know Derrick Henry is going to touch the ball at least 30 times. Period. Exclamation point. The record when he touches it 30 times is absurd. He is going to touch the ball probably 40 times this week. Because this Jacksonville team, listen, they, I don't, they're not playing in front of their home fans. It's, it's all over but the fat lady singing. Okay, so give Dan, Derrick Henry the ball. Get out of the way, and if you're the Jaguars, hopefully you can tackle this week. So, Vince, going back to you in this matchup, Gardner Minshew had a great game last week against the Colts. He started off 20 of 21, I believe, and had a pair of touchdowns in that span. Three. So, three touchdowns, even better. Gardner Minshew, yeah, it looks like he's playing for his job. Jacksonville was clearly cut the number 32 team in the NFL. People were saying before going into the season, now people aren't talking like that. What's the matchup for Jacksonville, and what's their best chance of winning this game? Uh, I think how if Minshew's going to roll out of the pocket, I think you've got to get him on the outside. They have young stud receivers with yes. Chark, Cole, and LaVisca Chenault. So I don't, Very good I don't think I don't think Garner Minshew is going to make enough plays to beat this Tennessee defense. Like Goss said, they're going to hand Henry the rock. They're persistent with that. It doesn't matter if he gets two yards of clip. They're just going to continue to hand it to him. Uh, I don't think that defense can stop him. It's uh, It's been apparent for the last couple of games that it, they just can't, and he goes off on them all the time. Um, I think A.J. Brown might hurt them. I don't know if Tannehill's going to – might throw for only 120 yards, but if you you got Derrick Henry in the backfield, it doesn't really matter at that point. I and, wish I had seen the record for the Titans with Ryan Tannehill only throwing a certain amount of passes, but you guys. And here's what Derrick Henry running the football that much does. Now, obviously, if he goes for 200 yards, you're screwed, period. Yeah. You know, that, that's the end of the day right there. But even if you stop him, here's what it does to a young team. you got to play perfect football now because you're only getting six possessions, seven possessions, eight possessions, or maybe you get like 12 in a game usually because it slows the tempo down. It takes time off the clock. They, You know, we saw the Giants go 19 plays for nine minutes in week one. Bro, that's the norm in Tennessee. Like, they're used to that. So that's, I think that's an aspect that gets overlooked often. Moving forward to two of the youngest, most bright defenses in the league, I believe. We have the Washington Redskins taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Washington football team. Washington football team, excuse me. Sorry for that swear word. But regardless, two of the bright young defenses in the NFL, you might ask why the Washington football team is up there. It's because simple fact is they led the NFL last week with eight sacks. They got to Carson Wentz against one of the better O-lines against the Eagles. So they, we give them credit where credit is due. 
The Washington quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, had one an off-target percentage of 30% in Week 1, which ranked number 31st out of 32 qualifying quarterbacks in the NFL. Questions around Haskins, questions around the Redskins' defense. Vince, who do you like in this matchup? Uh, I like Arizona. I don't think uh, Coming off Washington, a big week, I don't think big Washington week. has that magic again. Um, you said that they had the eight sacks. That was a banged up Philly O line. Um, I know that they have studs all over the ball. They have they can fill the box better than almost anybody. But uh, I think Kyler's just too much for them. I think that offense is too good, and I don't see Haskins doing anything against this defense. Uh, he barely targeted McLaren last week, which is a star receiver. Mistake. That's yeah, a mistake. Exactly. Like, let's be like, honest. How, how if you're not you're not throwing the ball to him? There was what Sims Jr. Uh, they have Barber and Gibson. I don't think they have enough offensive firepower to to honestly keep up with Arizona. Uh, but I think the big question is: Does Arizona's O line handle that defensive line? I think if if Washington dominates the line of scrimmage, I don't see Kyler doing anything. Right. Well, I'm going to take that as my question for this game and. It, their offensive line is somehow more atrocious than that banged-up Eagles offensive line, which is hard to do. But here's a stat I'll throw at you. Kyler Murray ran the football 15 times last week. My fantasy quarterback. Whether it was designed runs, whether it was scrambles, whatever. He did not get touched on 14 of them. The one he got contacted on, he was tackled by the jersey. Mr. Make you miss. He knows how to... Get tackled in a way that is not going to fracture his spine right now. And again, all it takes is one. Regardless, Kyler Murray is such a great escape artist that I think he can neutralize even a great pass rush because it's just frustrating. And as you keep going through the game, you slow those guys down because now they're like, well, he's going to just run. And now you give your O-line a chance to settle in, hunker down. Now he can start throwing from the pocket. DeAndre Hopkins looked amazing last week. 15 grabs. As, as we expected, that's a career high, by the way. 15 grabs, that's a career high in his first game with his new team. I think DeAndre Hopkins is happy. I think Kyler Murray is happy. And I think they're going to be singing the good they music. They handled San Francisco's defense, too, last week. One of yeah. the best defenses in the league. I think they're going to be singing the good tunes after they go 2-0 and after this week. So Absolutely. you both got Cardinals? Absolutely. Correct. Moving forward, we have the hottest team in football that I think, the Baltimore Ravens, 16-0 and track. Starts this week again, going against the Houston Texans. Houston cannot catch a break. They've started the season against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now they take on the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Fellas, what's the matchup here for Houston looking like? Who do you like? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this, and I'm going to turn it over to Vince because this is really simple. It is Baltimore. Baltimore has better better personnel at just about every single position. No, it's every position. Field. Even quarterback, I believe, is better. I'm, yeah, but I'm sure oh, yeah. Houston's got some kind of special teamer that's better than Baltimore. Not Justin Tucker. <laughs> not Justin Tucker. But there's probably some special teamer, like a gunner or something like that. You know, probably better. But Baltimore, it's just too easy. I, I really just... Listen, again, they beat the Browns. Yes, they're the Browns. But the Browns are improved. They have a lot of talent. And they dismantled that defense. They by made them 40 plus. They well, they beat them by 32. And they won 38 do to 6. Either. And that offense couldn't do anything. That's scary. Listen, people forget about this cuz it happened at the beginning of the offseason. They traded a 5th round pick to get Calais Campbell, who is a that dude's a mountain in and of himself. So Still a top 5 defensive lineman. Correct. They are just way too strong, way too powerful. This is Baltimore easy and I'll kick my feet up on this one. Uh, I'm 
going with Goss. I don't think Houston has enough firepower on the outside. What wide receiver is going to step up and actually make a catch for Watson? Brandon Cook's been hurt for I God knows how long. So that that defensive line is going to get after Watson. He looked like he was running for his life against Kansas City, and I, I don't think anything changes this week. Um, yeah, I'm, that's basically it for me. There's no way I think Houston beats Baltimore. You see, Goose, you always tell me, oh, polarizing the world. Jolon's burning it down, saying the Ravens are 16-0, but every time we talk about the Ravens, it's a yeah, given but, thing they're going to win. Yeah, so the stamina to go 16-0 is a lot different. You what? Can, on talent, they're going to be favored in every game this it, year. It's different when you're traveling the country, but they have the least miles traveled over the NFL against any team. Well, so, no, it's still stamina. He's still going to play Pittsburgh, though. Let's see how good And injuries, the listen, everybody track. else in the league is getting hit with injuries, except for what seems like right now, Baltimore. Again, injuries catch up to everybody, period. They are deep, though, everywhere. Everywhere. It's so fantastic. Moving forward, we have the former Super Bowl champions, last year's winners, the Kansas City Chiefs, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. I'll be honest, guys, the Los Angeles Chargers did not perform the way I expected them to. Tyrod Taylor was very underwhelming compared to what I expected personally. They didn't really get Keenan Allen the ball. They got Mike Williams the ball a couple times, and Austin Eckler was very, very, very contained. Vince, who do you like in this matchup with the former Super Bowl champs and the Los Angeles Chargers? I'm going to go with the former Super Bowl champs in Kansas City. But here's my question here. They got Chris Harris solely to play against Kansas City. How well does he play this week? You know, they got Casey Hayward on the outside. You got Chris Harris on the other side. No Derwin James again, which really hurts them. And I think it's all tick-tick time till Herbert starts at quarterback. Um... They got to get Eckler the ball. They got to get Keenan the ball. They got to get their star players rolling. But I don't see them stopping Mahomes. It's just I don't think anybody's going to stop that guy for the next ten years. It's it's honestly interesting to say you see Melvin Gordon not get his money and then rely on Austin Eckler for Austin Eckler almost to disappear last week and not put up the numbers and stats he's used to. Do you think the Chargers made a mistake letting go of Melvin Gordon? And what do you think their game plan is this week to win the game? I don't. I I think let it. Listen, my take on running backs is not going to put a smile on anybody's face. I am not, I am not a pay your running back kind of guy. I really am not, and and there's a lot of stats to prove that that's the right move. So uh, we'll talk about that when Saquon Barkley's contract comes up because there's going to be some interesting takes when we get to that one. But regardless, I think listen, letting Melvin Gordon go, it's the right it, to me. It's the right thing to do. Listen, the guy was he sat out games didn't, now, didn't he? Yeah, I mean at that point. You know, it's not about, again, it's not about him. It's, or no, it's all about him. And it's not about the team. And once that's the case, team's going to let you go. I know, I know how the team treats everything. I understand. But, but that's how it's perceived in the locker room. That's looked at, that's looked at as anywhere. So I think it was good, not good to let him go, but I think it, it was right. To Melvin Gordon's defense, the way they treated Phillip Rivers after his tenure there, the way they treated all of their players ever the way they left there, the Chargers are not a good organization in football, and I'm not the first one to say that. They have no fans showing up to games. They had to move to L.A. for traction. Vince, you want to say something? Yeah, I also think Melvin Gordon doesn't deserve that money, though. But he was leading the team in rushing yards. He was leading the team in all-purpose yards. He was hurt three out of the four years that he started, never played a full season in a Charger uniform. Then he has the audacity to sit out games. You got Austin Eckler behind you. You know the guy's going to catch the ball. And I think that was his mistake. Now he's on Denver. I ne- I was never a big Melvin Gordon guy. I-, I just think he's a cancer. Moving forward, we have one of the worst organizations running football, what I believe is the L.A. Chargers, to two of the best. We have the New England Patriots taking on the Seattle Seahawks. 
Russell Wilson, you had said last week, Goss, if he can uncork, that team will win and win big. That's exactly what happened. Who do you like in this matchup against the best defense, I believe, and the best quarterback in the league right now? Yeah, I'm going to make my roommate happy. I'm going to I'm gonna pick Seattle. He's out there in Seattle right now. I'm going to take them as long Enjoy as... Enjoy the, the air, rain. As, as long as the air quality is good out there, uh, because they have had some scary scenes with the fires out there. I am going to take Seattle. They look terrific. Jamal Adams looked refreshed and played very, very well last week. Uh, another, another Jets safety played well. Uh, as, as usual, as usual, former Jets player, and I just like Seattle at home. Again, it's not the same 12th man, obviously, but I think New England. I, they, you're gonna find a way to stop Cam Newton. You have to. By the way, you, you know it's just like these running backs. You have to find a way to stop Cam Newton. You have to account for him in the run game, and I, I think Seattle does that. And I think in prime time they win. And uh, Chris Collinsworth calls a good game. So Vince, referring the question back to you, Cam Newton rushed for a franchise-setting record in yards for a quarterback for New England. Do you think he rushes the ball again like that against Seattle's defense, or do they rely more on pass, and vice versa? Does Russell Wilson run more, or does he start to pass more? I do. I have the Pats winning this game. I think Belichick goes in there, shuts down Russ Wilson. He's like, because you're going to have DK Gilmore on DK, and you're going to have to have Lockett and Gordon make plays, because I don't think DK is going to be able to, to beat Gilmore all day. Um... I think that offense, they got carved last week, Seattle. People keep saying, oh, Seattle's got a great defense. They gave up 450 yards to Matt Ryan. I know they were down 30 points all game, but still 450 yards is is no joke. To Atlanta's credit, that's exactly the offseason they had. They wanted to put up that many yards in off, on offense every single game with all the first-round picks they have. But I think Russ Wilson doesn't throw for that many touchdowns either. They're facing the best defense they're going to see all year, in my opinion. I know they, they play the 49ers twice and everything, but I don't see anybody that has that much talent like the Patriots do, even with guys opting out like Dante Hightower. Uh, they lost Van Noy. They still looked real good last week. Brian Fitzpatrick couldn't do anything against them. I, uh, and I don't think uh, Russ and company have that same game. Well, this I wanted to note that this is the only game where two quarterbacks of multiple seasons of 3,500 yards and 500 rush yards have went against each other. The NFL has only combined for four more seasons like that alike. So this is going to be a matchup for the test of time. Moving on from two of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league to the most dynamic quarterback ever to play uh, step on a football field. And Drew Brees, he's throwing the ball better than anybody. He goes against a John Gruden-led offense and defense. Who do you guys like in this matchup for Monday night, Saints versus Raiders? Did you say the most dynamic quarterback to ever? Dynamic throwing the ball, not running and running and throwing. I'm talking the, with the way he puts the spin on the ball, the most dynamic thrower. I'm still going Dan Marino on that one. Listen, the dude. Oh, that's a get, great point. The dude okay. doesn't get respect because he didn't win a title. Okay. But I'm going to take Dan Marino in that in that debate there. You give Dan Marino the. I do. I like Steve court. Young in that conversation too. You're yeah, right. There's a couple guys in there. Absolutely. Okay, back to the game. Uh, this is the unveiling of Las Vegas' stadium. I'm super hyped to see how it looks, by the way. The Death it, Star. It, yeah, it looks money. like the Death Star. It looks really cool. So we're going to see. I think I, – I, I don't know if they're going to have fans in this game. I doubt it, uh, although it's Las Vegas. So I, you never know. Sin City. Who knows? <laughs> um, what happens if Vegas I, stays there? Let's I, see if it's true. I would expect them – the Rams won in their home opener in their brand-new stadium, and that is the logic I am going to use – to take the Las Vegas Raiders this week. That is, I'm, I'm just going to use that. I think Josh Jacobs looked really good last week against Carolina, downs. although I think a lot of people are going to look good against Carolina. But he looked like he picked up where he left off last year when he arguably should have been Offensive Rookie of the Year. 
Uh, big debate about that, but give me, give me Las Vegas in this one. So Vince, no Mike Thomas, obviously for the Saints. It might be a couple well, weeks. He might. Well, he might play. I do think this week is strategic for them to game plan for him, for him not to show up. I will say that. But who do you think on the Saints' offensive side needs to step up and replace Mike Thomas or just step up in general? I think it's apparent that Emmanuel Sanders has to turn into the number one. Uh, Trayvon Smith, is it? Traquan. Traquan Smith. Smith. He's got to play well, too. Cook's got to make catches. Kamara's got to catch the ball out of the backfield. I have New Orleans beating Las Vegas in their unveiling of their new stadium. Uh, I just don't think they have an, Vegas has enough to beat New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans, without Michael Thomas, they're still going to put up points. They showed last week against Tampa Bay's defense, they don't need Michael Thomas to, to put up 34 points. I know they got the pick six on Brady, but 24 points, three Kamara touchdowns. Uh, I think they're going to roll against Vegas this week. I do think they contain Max Crosby especially well because he's the only one on the defensive line. That might give them pressure. But besides that, moving on to the final pick of the week, it's the Dolphins against Jacksonville on a Thursday night game. Dolphins, we had mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick might not be playing well. Is this the first game we see Tua? How do you like Gardner Minshew? Goose, let's start with you. Yes, first game we see Tua. Tua gets the win on Thursday night football. I'm going with it right now. Oh, that's a big that's, prediction. That's what my gut says, and then we're going to rock and roll with it. That's you know, what I was going to go to. Vince, uh, we, we have Tua they, playing next week, baby. They were, I think they're going to pull. We'll see how Fitzpatrick does against Buffalo. If he has a dismal first half, I think you see Tua this week. So, uh, who knows, Thursday. And who is it at Jacksonville? It's at, yes. So there will be fans. So there maybe, will be fans, maybe a but advantage. I think that fluke week one win uh, might be might come back to bite Jacksonville yeah, right in exactly. the box. Moving forward off of the NFL to more of a high, uh, high school college setting, we have news about college football returning with the Big Ten being back. They have released their their start date, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. And yep. their schedule. Um, Goose, let's talk about Big Ten. What do they got coming back? Yeah. So uh, obviously, we don't want to take too much time of your guys. So we're gonna. We're going to move pretty quickly through these next few segments. The Big Ten is coming back October 24th. They are going to play an 8-9 to nine game season. That schedule is expected to be released this week. Okay, it took a lot for them to come back, even a call from the president. Okay, it's a wild, wild time in America. Okay, because this that would not have happened years ago. We need gonna, football. I'm it's gonna, huge. I'm going to tell you it's right huge. now, that would not have happened about 20 years ago. So, But credit to them. They found they're getting... New daily rapid testing, which was the big factor in them coming back. It is going to be huge. They will likely qualify for the college football playoff if they have a team worthy, which they have Ohio State, so they have a team worthy. And uh, Ohio State's the big winner, Jolan. And that is because they get two stars back in Wyatt Davis, the offensive lineman, the star offensive lineman, and star corner Sean Wade. And it only just makes them better. Listen. They were probably going to go to the national title game this year anyway without those guys, and now I think they they're they're solidifying their way in. They got games against like Illinois and Rutgers, so they get they get a lot of tune-up games to kind of get ready, a lot of preseason games. Yeah, Vince. My next going. question for you in the Big Ten is because we have to go kind of quick here. Um, who do you think gets out of the Big Ten the winner now? They're starting late. Uh, it's obvious. It's going to be Ohio State. I think the big question I was going to ask is what team can compete with Ohio State. I don't think there's too many in the Big Ten. Maybe Penn State, but they don't have enough firepower to beat them. It's like you said, Wade and Davis coming back. That's Mel Kuyper's two of his top ten for the next year's draft. So I think that's huge for them. Justin Fields, he was my Heisman favorite going into this year. Uh, I still think he might be. Definitely a top three quarterback to look out for for next year's draft. Moving along, we also have the Pack and uh, the Mac looking to come back. We will update you guys more on that as we find out solidified knowledge. But moving forward, 
Goose, this is a question about the NCAA specifically with how they're going to handle players who opted out and got agents and got back. It's hard. It's it. There is going to be massive legal implications of what, of the actions taken by players who have opted out already. And this is not just the Big tw- the Big Ten, just not the Pac-12, the MAC, whatever. This is the SEC as well. LSU's got some guys that want to come back, but the NCAA has a very strict policy that once you sign an agent, you basically sign away your eligibility. Now, how is this going to work? Is COVID the exception? I think it should be. And again, I, I it's not big right now, but expect it to heat up as we get closer to the season. And obviously, we'll keep you updated if there's any lawsuits or if there's any players that get denied eligibility. It's going to be interesting. Well, no, let me just ask you one general question. Do you think it's best for players to come back for a final year or sit out and train for the NFL, Vince? Um, I'm going to sit out and train for the NFL. Yeah, type I think guy. I am too. I think this season's a lost cause. I know people, obviously Ohio State getting their players back, it's because they only have national championship implications. I know the guys, the two guys from Oregon, uh, they're, they're two of the top five in Mel Kuyper's Big Ten, uh, top ten, I'm sorry, and uh, they already opted out, and those two guys are have agents as well. Um, I think they did it right because I, I feel like this year's a lost cause. Yeah, definitely something to see looking forward. Who's the best trained after season, whether they're playing in a football season or training alone. I think that's going to come to light around the December, January time. Moving forward to high school football, New Jersey football. Goose, we've talked about this for weeks now, of them trying to figure it out. Where does it lay up? Where's New Jersey football headed? So they're still scheduled to start October, 20, uh, October 2nd. Excuse me. And it, I, do, I do not have a gripe with the NJSIA because I think they've done a good job. I think, Jolan, I've mentioned this to you. I think high school football and high school sports in general are the most important level to play this entire fall season. And I think it's for mentions that uh, for reasons that I have mentioned, such that uh, just how much it keeps kids in school. Opportunity and, and so opportunity forth. Opportunity. And, I, you know, I actually recently got to talk to a senior who's playing football in Pompton Lakes. He wants to go play college ball. Well, if he doesn't get to play this year, he's not going to have the tape to give out to those coaches. And again, it's the guys, not the guys that have the offers already, it's the guys that are looking to get noticed. And and I, I've seen it all week. The teams within the NJSIA just keep going back and forth. Some One of them cancel, you know, they suspend sports for a day, and then they come back the next day, and then they reinstate it. There's a board meeting. It's a disaster and what I will tell you if you're the NJSIA so we can move on, figure it out, or not not even the NJSIA, the schools, figure it out, stick to a game plan. Connecticut is facing major backlash for for canceling the season. They're not going to play in the spring. They canceled the season. They are facing major, major backlash, but they stuck to their guns. Okay, they, they are sticking hard to their guns. So, uh, New Jersey, stick to your guns. If you're going to cancel, cancel. But if you're going to play, go all in. Figure it out. Moving on. NBA. Um, very, very polarized. I need to apologize to all of our listeners. I had said the Clippers, being up 3-1, were going to make the Western Conference Finals, and I notoriously forgot that they had Doc Rivers coaching them, who's blown three 3-1 leads in three of the past president's administration, being Bush, Obama, and Trump. Doc Rivers, you failed me again. I look like a fool on my own show. Vince, what are your takes on the Nuggets beating the Clippers, and then what's their matchup looking like for the Western Conference Final? I think uh, that was horrible for them. Horrible. They, they, you couldn't quit. get any worse, in my opinion. With I'm Doc Rivers, you, you you bring in, you basically go all in. They've given up all their picks till 2027. Oh my goodness! And uh, they they threw in the chips this year, 
and ended up not even making the Western Conference Finals. All the talk was it's going to be the Lakers and the Clippers, and now we only see the Lakers there, which they've been my pick from the beginning. So Vince is very happy. The Lakers are up 1-0 against the Nuggets um, leading into the Western Conference. Now let me move over to the Eastern Conference. Goose, Miami Heat, they are 10-1 in the playoffs. They are up 2-0 against the Boston Celtics. What happens in the East? Let's not let our forget uh, listeners forget. These are your Boston Celtics too. Okay, <laughs> so you are just on this roll train right now. Okay, Brad Stevens is not a coach through his own. They're Regardless, imploding it looks as like we speak. They I need are, Cam on next week. They are imploding <laughs> as a week. team. There, there has been reports of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, a lot of guys yelling in that locker room. Gordon Hayward is looking like he might play tonight in Game Three, which would be huge for them. And, and just just for the fact of veteran presence, I I'm not a big Gordon Hayward guy, but he's yeah, got a veteran I. presence to him, and that helps come postseason time. It helps to calm down a team as well. He can make some shots when he needs to. This is over, and I'm calling it a wrap. And if they go up 3-0, Jolan, you don't have a hope and a prayer for your <laughs> Celtics coming back. Okay, you you are holding on by a thread, a thread of string right now. On, on that pick, your, your Clippers already holy Denver, unbelievable. Way, Kawhi and way off P, as they call him now. Not playoff P, way off P. Uh, he <laughs> 24 is, uh, combined points in a game. They, they were awful. Zero points in the fourth quarter supply. Kawhi deserves a lot of blame. I'm not I'm not passing the blame to much others. He's one of 11. He correct? is the superstar yeah. on that team. That is, he's got to figure that out. But regardless, we got the, the Heat who beat the Bucks in the previous round. And well, we talked about how awkward it would be if Giannis had to accept his MVP award via Zoom. And, well, he did exactly that. <laughs> he did have to accept his Front. back-to-back MVP. And, uh, well, it sparked a little bit of a controversy in the NBA and, and a little bit of pissed-off feelings, as I should say. And those are the words of one LeBron James <laughs> who was very upset after finding out he did not win and only finding out that he received 16. exactly 16 of the 101 first-place votes. Guys, listen, we got to stop doing this in every league. It cannot be who has the best season. Create a different create a different award for the best regu- for the best season because again, at the end of the day, I don't care that it's a regular season award. I don't care if it was a postseason. LeBron is the most important player in basketball. Period. For he 17 been, years. Right, he has been for a really really long time and to give him only 16 of the 101 votes that's, a, that's what, 16.1% or something like that? That is a smack in the face, man. Again, I know Giannis' numbers, but that's my problem. It was numbers. It was followed up by nothing. Where were those followed up by absolutely playoffs? nothing. He was gone in the second round. They got, they got gentlemen swept. Great. Congratulations. So, moving forward in the NBA, we will get Vince back in here and Goose to talk when the finals are set up. But these guys predicting Miami Heat versus the Lakers, very upsetting. I don't think the Celtics come back, unfortunately. I think they need one more piece. I think they need a decent center to really hold down that lower tier of their offense, and they need to get through the zone. That's plain and simple. Brad Stevens is being very shy of getting to the basket, especially settling for way too many jump shots and three-pointers. So it's going to be interesting to see that season moving forward. On to the MLB. Now, we had talked last week. Oh, Goose, one more thing. That Heat-Lakers series, the matchups, if we get it. Obviously, Denver's been down 1-0 before. We've seen the magic they've created. Now, pissed off LeBron, that's not great. Heat-Lakers for a second. Bam Adebayo versus Anthony Davis. Exactly. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson versus Danny Green, KCP. LeBron versus Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler. The LeBron dog. drops 40. 
Bro, it is. No, man. It is Jimmy's got, on a there mission. There is some good no matchups the bubble. there. Jimmy's there are, on a mission. No man. family in the I bubble. I literally dude. called it. Jimmy was on no, a mission when he invited nobody to the bubble no that he was going family. out on a limb to win this title, and he's done nothing but win games since. And, and Pat Riley and Eric Spolster are might get the coach against LeBron. Interesting. Just wanted to make that note. That is a really fascinating. Also, another note. They got to find a way to stop Jimmy Butler. I, it, it, Jimmy Bucks. There's, there's no way that they can just keep letting Jimmy Butler just throw up everything because he's, he's making. He's everything. gonna make it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Moving forward, um, we had talked about the MLB possibly getting to a bubble for the playoffs. We're about a week and a half out from the MLB postseason starting. Just to update you on that, the NL will be playing their divisional rounds in Houston and Arlington, Texas, while the AL plays in California with in LA and San Diego. What do you think for the playoffs? Who do you like for the playoff predictions? And who do you think walks away with a World Series after a crazy season? I'm going to stick with where I've been from day one. And, John, you know this because you've been here with me. It's the Yanks and the Dodgers that are going to meet in the World Series. Dude, the Yanks are getting hot at the right time. DJ LeMayo especially. The Dodgers have been hot all year. You know why? Because they got the, they, they the second-best player in baseball from from Boston because they, they just got, didn't want to pay him. three. Right. They just didn't want to pay him. So... Uh, absolutely absurd. I'll just run through the matchups. If the season were to end today, and there, it, you mentioned there's not a lot left in the season, so they're kind of rounding into form. Uh, right now it would be the Rays versus the Blue Jays, the White Sox versus the Indians, the Athletics versus the Astros, and the Yankees versus the Twins. The interesting thing, the Twins have been in the postseason seven times since 2003. They have been eliminated six of those times by those exact New York Yankees. Moving into the National League, the Dodgers would play the Reds, the Cubs would play the Phillies, ill. The Braves would play the Cardinals, gross. The Padres would play the Marlins, disgusting. The, and that's three NLA's teams, and the Mets could not find a single way oh. to get in the postseason. They are just so inconsistent. They are about as inconsistent as my jump shot, play a, a Paul J- way off P's jump shot, and Kawhi's jump shot this last <laughs> week and a half. Okay, that's how bad they have been. Okay, and Lonzo's jump shot. Thanks for doing that animation in the studio, Jolan. <laughs> Regardless, the Mets have been so inconsistent, but they have new management now. They recently got sold to Steve Cohen for $2.475 billion, the largest purchase in native in Na- North America sports history, which is fantastic. You know why? Because he's going to spend some money, he's going to get some free agents, and we're going to be back at the top soon, I promise. Uh, i got to talk about my Mets real quick. With that $14.1 billion net worth, He's got to be throwing the checkbook at free agents. Everybody. <laughs> we need to get Real Muto. You need to try to get Arenado. He, he, that 22-29 and 29 Colorado Rockies, they're not using them. Also, I think they got to go after Javi Baez. Throw the oh, yeah. checkbook yeah. at everyone. I'm sorry. You got to go after Liam Hendricks, the relief pitcher. You got to go after Alex Colome, the closer. Get rid of uh, Edwin Diaz. Get rid of that man. <laughs> he is atrocious. You gotta extend Conforto. If you're gonna come, if you're gonna buy a New York team, you gotta spend New York money. The Yankees do it every year. The Mets have never done it. They will not do it. And if they do, it's not gonna be for Robbie Cano and for Edwin Diaz. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable at this point. You gotta get rid of Brody Van Wagenen. You gotta get rid of Rojas. Start fresh. I just want you to not forget the Cespedes deals in there, too. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> well, he's gone. He's gone. He's been gone. He's been gone for a while. Now. But regardless, regardless. But, but that was a good trade, by the way. He did get again. us to a World Series. The contract extension, obviously, looks awful. Uh, Vince, listen, this is how Steve Cohen needs to walk into the free agent meeting. Hello. I hope you're having a great day. 
my checkbook is your checkbook. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want, you write on that piece of paper, I will sign the check, and you're a New York Met. You got to get Remuto over here. End of story. You really do. That's you can't just let how it has to be. Okay? Uh, they, they, they really have to be. And next on the list is, Joel, this is something I forgot to talk about last time, and that was the passing of Tom Seaver. The second thing on the list, outside of getting free agents, is putting up that goddamn Tom Seaver statue. Okay, how they have not had a statue of the guy that was nicknamed the, the franchise, franchise yeah. is beyond me. It is another goof in the Will Ponds ownership. And by the way, once he retired, which basically makes you eligible for a statue once you retire, the Will Ponds were already in management. So I don't want to hear, well, it wasn't, it wasn't the Will Ponds. No, it was, and they failed on that one. So Steve Cohen, number one, get us some free agents. Number two, Put up the damn Tom Seaver statue. Number three, trade Noah Syndergaard. I'm sorry. I've been saying it for two years now. The guy does not pitch good in big games. Hold on. We've seen pitchers come back this better. This going to another episode. We've seen some <laughs> pitchers come back better from Tommy John after they have it than, than they were pitching beforehand. So I'm going to give him another year. With the Mets luck, we're, though? You know what? We're going to see so Str- true. We're going to see Stroman though. I want to see if Stroman can come back if he, he does come back here. to the Mets. Well, he's a free agent as well. I understand. Well, your checkbook he wants, is he wants to be a checkbook, you know. It's, <laughs> it's that simple. He was so pissed off even getting traded to the Mets. He thought well, he was like, "Oh, you're getting traded to New York." He was so he was like, "Oh, I'm going to the Yankees." No, you're going to the Mets, buddy. <laughs> well, let's, he, let's talk about going to the Yankees. Bills. I'm playing football. <laughs> let's talk about those Yankees briefly. Luke Voigt is on a different planet. DJ Lemayu. I think he's on Saturn. To be honest, Lemayu's yeah. been hitting it all year. He's just been hurt a little bit. ALVP. I will throw that in there. Judge and Stanton are, are both back. Lemayu. No. He's yeah, leading the league Boyd, batting Boyd's average and OPS. Heartbeat. I know what you guys oh, mean. That, I do. that is crazy. But the last thing I will say about the Mets, the young core looks really good. Alonzo has come around. Dom Smith has been amazing all, all year. year. The Jeff McNeil is going to figure it out in a 162-game schedule. Conforto has looked what he was when... Okay, listen. I thought Mets fans saying Conforto was better than Judge. I thought that was a little far. But he's playing at that level. Not not that he's better than Judge, but he's at that level that he, he was playing at, that how he looks so good. So if they can keep that core together, that's a great start. Jimenez, too. And man. let's not forget the best pitcher in baseball. in baseball. So that's, you know, again, we've got the Dodgers. Uh, no surprise. They're they're killing it. And the White Sox. I think the White Sox are the real that's, big that's my interesting pick. story. The Tampa Bay Rays really are going to win the AL East. Kind of crazy. Just a real goofy year. Uh, but again, we'll see as things round into playoff form. That's going to do it here on episode 17. Oh, episode 17 already. It's kind of crazy. I, I mentioned I love uh, the number 17. As always, you can reach out to me at Gosker56 on Twitter, at Goose on the Mic on Instagram. You can always reach out. Let me know any comments or, or concerns or just hit me up with a follow. I know we've been getting some followers on Instagram. So that's that's been real good, Joel on. And uh, what, what do you got? Uh, Vince, I want to thank you for joining us, bro. It's been a pleasure. Let the people know where they could follow you on Twitter, Instagram, all that. Uh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you can follow me at VinceD5 on Instagram and on Twitter. It's 3VDenero3. Um, I just want to say again, yeah, I really appreciate it for my first time in the booth. It's uh, fun, it's bro. It's been a dream of mine. Pleasure, so pleasures all of ours. And if you want to, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Air it Out or Instagram at airitout.podcast. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Good Old Joel's or Instagram at Joelanbyokua. That's J O L A N B as in boy, I O K U A. Um, any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, again, you can reach us at those. Goose. Bring us home, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Vince, thanks again for joining us. It, it was really a pleasure, fun to talk. 
as always, and uh, you know, we, there's never enough words uh, for 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 an episode of a podcast. But uh, thank you for joining again. Leave your comments, concerns, anything. Reach out to us. Let us know if you want to be a guest on the show. You might get to pick against Goose, and, and we'll see how you do from there. But until episode 18, Jolan, put it in the books.